this ministry. It's the Lord's ministry. And uh, even during this time, God can take such a fearful moment and turn it around for his glory and God. Amen. And so, uh, again, if you weren't uh, already up to date with some of these things or if you're watching via Facebook, let me remind you that tonight, Wednesday, uh, we will not have service in the building. It will be live streamed where you can watch it at the same times as normal service. And so we want to encourage you to invite your friends and family. We're going to be talking about a few things uh, in the book of Revelation tonight as well. And the Lord, I know, is going to have some wonderful things. So thank you for your for your presence here this morning. We're praying that God would work. Take your Bible and turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to postpone our study in the book of Genesis over the last few weeks. We've been looking there in chapter 1 and verse number 1. And uh, kind of postponing some of those things, our thoughts, to really bear witness to, I guess, the news. I don't want to allow the news to dictate or leave what we say behind this pulpit, but I do feel that there's an element of responsibility upon our shoulders to kind of give some direction as we think about what's happening in our country and just globally, and then go into the scriptures about some of these things. We pray it will be a blessing. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, my life verses. And I've went to these many times, and I know many of us as children of God are dear to our hearts. Amen. If you know them, you could quote them with me or read them with me along. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, verse 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Our Heavenly Father, we look to you this morning. We love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your grace. Lord, we do pray for our country. We pray for the situation. We pray for loved ones and friends and people that we work with. God, for safety and protection. And yet, Lord, all of these things are definitely a testimony of what the Scriptures say, a reminder of how close your return is. Lord, we know the return of Christ is imminent. Lord, it's at hand, and at any moment, that sky could be split, and the glory of God seen with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as children of God to be reminded about these things, to be stirred within our salvation, our soul, and our spirit, to serve you. Lord, many have not the gospel. Many know nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ. Many know nothing about the cross. And we speak these things to our shame. Help us to take this opportunity and serve you. Lord, I pray for your people this morning that you would encourage them. Lord, that you would remind us to trust you in all of these things. And God, may you do something great in our lives. And at Solid Rock Baptist Church, we love you and we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm not going to talk to you about the coronavirus. I'm not going to talk to you about my personal opinion, what's going on in the world, but really I want to deal with this underlining theme and I want to talk about and address the issue of fear. I was at Myers the other day, as many of you have shopped and been around and you know, no doubt the stories on Facebook as well as just conversations how the meat shelves were bare, the bread shelves were bare, and the PP uh, shelves were bare. And all of those other shelves were bare. I went in to get some uh, Tylenol for the kids, and it was gone. 
And uh, you see this fear that's no doubt growing more and more and more. Just the worry, the fear. I think there's two things that you can associate with that. Number one, this desire to live and survive. Uh, the responsibility that we have as parents and as people to take care of our loved ones. We want the best for our family. No one wants destruction or devastation or ruin. And yet, fear is something that we all struggle with. It's something that we all struggle with. And the Bible so very clearly states to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. I want to give you a few verses this morning to think about. And I want to preach on the subject of turning fear to faith. Turning fear to faith. If you will, look with me in the book of Psalms, chapter 23. Psalms, chapter 23. And the Bible says, this familiar passage of Scripture, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Then verse 4 it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. He's still on the throne. He's still there with us. And in the darkest of days, there's this need for each and every child of God to trust the Lord. To know that He is with us. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Y2K happened and fear was everywhere. Yet God got us through it. 9-11 happened in such tragedy. And fear upon our nation. Yet God brought us through it. I remember um, anthrax. And the fear that was all over our country. And God brought us through it. I think there's a number of things that could be said here. Uh, we have to use moments like this to strengthen our faith, to rely upon the Lord, to trust the Lord. Look in Psalms chapter 56. He says in verse 3, What time, this is the words of David, What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Was David afraid? You better believe it. He says, verse 1, Psalms chapter 56, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me. O thou most high, what time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Trust in the Lord. If you will, look with me in Psalms chapter 27. The Bible says in verse 1, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, they stumble and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this Will I be confident? One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to hold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall what? Hide me in His pavilion. Praise God for His ability, for His help, for His blessing, for His safety, for His comfort. Look over in Psalms chapter 34. Psalms chapter 34. Now let me remind you, 
The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm not talking to lost people this morning. I'm talking to Christian people. When the world runs in fear, there's a sense of confidence and trust and assurance and ability in Christ knowing that God cares about His children. And to rely upon that is what we need to do this, this morning. He says in Psalms chapter 34 and verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. From the youngest to the oldest. Don't we struggle with fear? It may be a child in the darkness of night running to mom and dad and afraid of the dark. It may be someone in the latter years of their life struggling with disease or illness or infirmity. Afraid of the unknown. Life is filled with all kinds of trouble and the uncertainty of life is definitely there. But through it all, there's one place that we can run and His name is Jesus. Amen. To run to Jesus. To run to Jesus. Look with me in Psalms 118. Psalms 118. The Bible says in verse number 6, The Lord is on my side. Aren't you grateful for that? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what? Can man do unto me? When you have the Lord on your side, you need not be afraid. Is God on your side this morning? Is He with you? In times of doubt, remind yourself that the Lord is there. Look in the New Testament. Paul says in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. He says down in verse 6 and verse 7, Be careful for nothing. Another way to look at that passage would be anxious for nothing. Don't be afraid, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Life is filled with trouble. Life is filled with worry. Life is filled with fear. And it's in those times that we need not to be afraid. That we need to go to the Lord in prayer and supplication. To have a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving in our heart. And remind ourselves that God is there. And when we do that, that peace, it passeth all understanding. It comforts. Isn't it grateful to know that God saw what was going to happen before it happened? To know that He, in His leadership, uses the good, uh, excuse me, uses the bad for His good. Souls can be saved. Hearts can be comforted. Look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. The Bible says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again, to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba Father. To go to your heavenly Father is the most precious thing, most needed thing, most reassuring thing. It is comforting to know that I may not be able to talk to some of the greats of our country. I may not be able to go at the touch of a finger to some politicians or some wealthy men and women or people of power and prestige, but there's a God that's greater than anyone that I can go to. 
And to know that brings comfort. Amen? It brings comfort. I was telling a few people before service that I was going to preach a Christmas message. And that's in fact what I'm going to do. And as we think about fear, we're going to look at the life and the ministry of Mary, Joseph, the shepherd, Herod, and even Zacharias as it's associated with fear. You know, in the Christmas story, there's four times where the angel of the Lord says to those people, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Four times. And so let's just take the time to magnify the Christmas story to bring a sense of comfort back to our life. Don't you love Christmas? We can have Christmas this morning. Amen? And a sense of rejoicing in the birth of Christ and what God is doing. Look in the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 1. I want to give you basically five things that we can, can, can see about fear and how to turn fear into faith. How to trust the Lord in times of worry. And we see it most definitely, first and foremost, in the life of Mary. She was so fearful in many ways in her humanity. And God save us from our humanity. Amen? We need help to trust the Lord, to, to know that His Word, we can trust it, and there's a sense of confidence and assurance, and, and to follow through with it, to know that even in the most uh, uh, daunting of tasks, that God is there. Amen? Luke chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 26, the Bible says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her in, in unto her and said, Hell, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Notice this. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not Mary. Could we say that together? Fear not Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Bible says, verse 20, uh, 29, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Just to give you a practical note, looking at five different people as we talk about the subject of fear, and this is the Christmas part of the Christmas story, but it definitely presents itself true and accurate to the spirit of time. What do we find out about Mary? She was a woman. She was blessed of God, highly favored, loved in a special and unique way. She had a testimony that was righteous and godly and all of those things that contribute to what God had previously done and was doing in her life. Thank God for His grace. Amen? But we also know that she was a sinner. She was a sinner. And in her weakness, in her frailty, 
in her inconsistency, she found herself, even at the word of God, being afraid. I think the first fear that we want to deal with this morning is the fear of being inadequate. I think Mary felt inadequate to take on such a great responsibility, not knowing how to do, what to do, uh, what to say, the questions that would arise, the fear of what would be said in public, what would be said about me behind closed doors. Mary was afraid. And, and, and really she was she was afraid at, at, at all of these things. If you look back in verse 28, the Bible says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hell, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. What does all of that mean? Knowing who she was as a person, knowing her own limitations, her own failures as a person, knowing her own inconsistencies as, as a person, and then having such a word given to her by an angelic being. And yet, it brought fear. It brought fear. I don't know what you're personally going through this morning, but it may be something on a personal note, a personal level, where you're, you're feeling just fear of inadequate. You can't do what's required. You can't get through this time. You don't know how to achieve what needs to be achieved. You feel so small, so insignificant, almost as Moses in the Old Testament when he said, I, I'm not a man full of, of speech. I'm not able in eloquent speech. I'm not able to, to possess the words. I don't know how to stand before the people. I don't know how to get. The, you know, this is something we all struggle with from time to time to feel inadequate. And it's in these times that that as a child of God, we trust in the word of God. Don't deny God's word. Don't. Don't reject God's Word. Stand upon the promises of God's Word. And we find it, finally, in a moment of doubt, turning, as Mary turned from that doubt, to trust God. Notice the Bible says, verse 35, And the angel answered unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You may find yourself this morning somewhere around verse 28 verse 29, verse 30, and afraid of the Word of God, afraid of what's been given, afraid of what's been presented, afraid afraid of the crossroads that you're in at life. But I pray that you make it somewhere eventually down to verse 38 where, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to Thy Word. Trust God's Word. Sure, we all go through times of doubt. We all go through times of fear. But we need to be reminded to trust God's Word. Mary, she was afraid of being inadequate. Number two, Joseph is also dealing with some fear in his life. If you look with me in the Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. The fear that we we see Joseph struggling with is a fear... Of, of disapproval. Disapproval. And I think from time to time as men, we desire that. 
amongst our peers. I know as a son with my father, desiring that approval. I know with my wife, as a husband, desiring approval. As a pastor, wanting that sense of approval. To know that people have confidence in you. And yet sometimes the Word of God is so strange to people because they don't know the Lord. And you have to trust because it's the Word of God. And can you imagine putting yourself in Joseph's shoes? And we see at the beginning of this, Joseph being a godly man, being a just man, being a a moral man, if you will, and wanting to protect and wanting to um, have a sense of class and love and protection about him with this woman who is now a virgin, but yet she's with child. And humanly speaking, not able to put these things together. Notice the Bible says in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. There's the second fear that we find in the Christmas story. Fear not, Mary. Trust the Word of God. Fear not, Joseph. Trust the Word of God. Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from the sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son And he called his name Jesus. At the beginning of the story, you see a just man. But at the end of the story, you find a just man that has full confidence in the word of God. It might be something morally sound. Something politically correct. It may be something that would culturally be expected to be done from from a good person. But all of those things have to be summed up with the Word of God, confidence in the Word of God, relying upon the Word of God, fulfilling the Word of God. What was was Joseph afraid of? Disapproval? Disapproval? Can you imagine what his father and mother would have said when they found out about Mary? I mean, today, this type of thing, it goes on so, so much that it's just common and there's no shame and there's no blush and there's no disappointment with the failures of our flesh and the inconsistency of our flesh. People just pay no mind at all. And, and, and there's the beauty of that child, praise the Lord, that child that comes into that situation. They did nothing wrong and God gives life and God loves life. But God never accepts sin as being right. And during this time, Joseph, 
being afraid of disapproval, setting something, hiding something, pushing something over to the side, under the carpet, just to get on. You see Him in His humanity. And then the Word of God comes to Him and He says, wait now. In a dream, the Word of God comes to Him. The, the angel of the Lord appeared to Him in a dream saying, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid of disapproval. Don't be afraid of disapproval. What are you going through in your life that people don't agree with you about? And you're staying upon the Word of God and people have ridiculed you about? What have they mocked you about? What have they rejected you about because of your stand and that stand being upon the Word of God? And it doesn't make it any more less uh, of an issue uh, or less you, you can't be any less emotionally invested you, you know the, these feelings they come to the surface we're people even though we're Christians just like anyone I want people to love me and care about me and and, and I want friends no one wants to be the, the oddball and no one wants people to stand against them and no one wants to be pointed fingers at but when you stand for the Lord and you serve the Lord and you make a make a, a decision to walk with the Lord sometimes, you do in your emotions, in your frailty, in your flesh, feel inadequate. Don't look at the people. Don't listen to the naysayers. Keep your eyes on the Word of God. Listen to the Bible. Mary, she was afraid of being inadequate. Joseph was afraid of being disapproved by his peers and his family members and people in the common yard or, or amongst the, the village or the city. Don't be Worried about man. Be worried about God. And then we find the third group, and that's the shepherds. Look with me in the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 2. We find the shepherds in verse number 8. I want you to notice with me just all that's taking place here. If you will, put your feet in their shoes. And really, this is the point that kind of bears witness to the time and the situation which we're in. The Bible says in verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them. Stop. Can you imagine the shepherds had just put their sheep down to rest? Maybe there's some kind of fence type protection barrier to keep the fold inside. On the outside of that fence protection barrier, maybe the shepherds have a small camp. Some rocks that kind of ring around a beautiful warm fire and grass that's soft to lay down and maybe there's some uh, 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 some some cloths or or or, or um, some blankets or maybe they had Coleman sleeping bags back in that day I don't know but it's on the ground and these these men are sitting around the fire singing maybe a camp song or enjoying the fellowship of their fellow man and looking up the stars and seeing the handiwork of God, the breeze kind of blows in and the embers and, and the little uh, reflection of the, uh, of the fire bounces 
up into the air and the, the heat warms their body. Maybe they begin to eat some food and drink some nice coffee or, or, or warm milk or water or whatever it is. And they're sitting there and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they weren't expecting it. They weren't looking for it. They didn't see it coming. Notice what the Bible says. Verse 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, said with me, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was the, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Mary, she had the fear of being inadequate. Joseph had the fear of being disapproved. But the shepherds had the fear of unexpected change. Unexpected change. Sitting around a campfire. Enjoying fellowship. Looking out their work and seeing, counting, guarding, protecting their sheep. Enjoying the breeze of a beautiful summer evening, nighttime. Looking at the manifold wisdom and the blessing and the power of God as they gaze up into the sky and see the stars. And then things suddenly change. Isn't that true how life is? And it can be great one day. And like that, things fall apart. And what happens when that time comes? People get afraid. They get worried. They run to and fro. There's no sense of confidence. There's no assurance. There's this overwhelming emotion of fear. And I know we're talking about a situation globally. I've heard different people say that this thing is getting exploded out of proportion. I've heard people say we need to take every precaution. I've heard people say this and that, all of these different scenarios. And I guess there's an element of truth with all of it. But I'll tell you what I've heard very, very, very little about. And where I have heard it has been from godly people. And that is we need to trust God. There could be war next week. There could be devastation and ruin. You could lose your job. Things could fall apart. In a moment's notice, your health could be racked with who knows what. Your children could be taken from you in a car accident. Your wife that you've been married to for 20 or 30 years could be caught and what do we do in those moments of crisis? We trust God. Is it natural? Is it human for us to be afraid? Absolutely. But God gives us that confidence. God gives us that faith. God can allow us to take faith, excuse me, take fear and turn it into faith. The fourth person that we find in the Christmas story. That God says, fear not to, is Zacharias. Look over in Luke chapter 1. 
Zacharias, he was a prophet, a godly man. And his wife, just a wonderful Christian, Elizabeth. And they were a man and a woman married for years, their old age. Still no children. Barren. And through all of those days of disappointment, the emotions building upon emotion after emotion, doubt overwhelming their sense of knowing God and, and, and trusting God and sometimes how emotions play in all of that. And wondering, maybe even on a personal level, did I do something to prevent God's blessing in my life? You know, when you long for something so much that you can literally reach out and touch it or taste it, it's so close that you desire it that much, the emotions if you can imagine, are extremely high. And here we find Zacharias. The Bible says, verse number 11, There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Can I start off by saying that the blessing of God comes to a person's life when that person finds themselves in the right place. He wasn't at a bar. You want the blessings of God? Get right with God. Be faithful to God. Serve God. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. A prophet? And get afraid? A prophet could be troubled. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Wait a minute. Now this is what we've been, Zacharias has been talking about and, you know, preaching about and angelic beings and the hand of God and Jehovah and sending forth the Messiah and all these things. And now, in the physical form, a tangible presentation, this prophet man of God, by the altar of incense, is afraid because an angel is standing before him. He was troubled. And fear fell upon him. Verse 13, And the angel said unto him, Say it with me, Fear not. Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Let me stop here and say God hears your prayers. Keep praying. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit of pow the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my, my wife well stricken in years. What does Zacharias do? It doesn't matter if you're a, a, a sweet little lady that is highly favored in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter if you're a, a good man that's trying to make a, a wage and, and a position in the world and, 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 and moral. And It doesn't matter if you're a man like Joseph. It doesn't matter if you're someone of low character or position or what we would assume as these shepherds, just a blue-collar job, or if you're even a prophet. It befalls upon each and every one of us. Fear has a way of touching us. 
He's doubting the Word of God. Whereby shall I know this? You think if God's Word says it, we need to doubt it? And yet so many times we do. Whereby shall I know this? Is God's Word enough for us? Do we need more than God's Word? I think we try to look for more than God's Word. We want sometimes more than God's Word. But what we should be happy with is just, just the Word of God. He says, For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering, notice this, said unto him, I am Gabriel. Now let me stop here and say, what we're about to see is that sometimes when we doubt God's Word, there's repercussions. Thus far, you've really not seen that. Mary doubted. Finally, she turned to faith, the fear of faith. Joseph doubted. Finally, turning that fear to faith. The shepherds doubted. Finally, turning that fear to faith. Really no consequence for their doubting. But and here we see the consequence for doubting. And the angel answered un, said unto him, verse 19, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, not able to speak until the day that these signs shall be performed because why? Thou believest not, say with my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak any word. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. It came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Read on down this blessed story. The Bible says, down verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Shall overshadow thee. We turn the story from Elizabeth back to Mary. Verse 36, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived the son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who, shall, who was called barren. For with God... Nothing shall be impossible. Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary rose in those days and went into the old country with haste to the city of Judah and then to the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she spake out with a loud voice. And said, Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? 
below as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears. The babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. What was Zacharias's fear? Mary dealt with the fear of being inadequate. Joseph dealt with the fear of being disapproved. The shepherds dealt with the fear of unexpected change. Zacharias deals with the fear of disappointments. 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 He has been disappointed so much in life, even though he's a man of God in the position of serving the Lord as a prophet, he he has been disappointed. God has not given them a child. God has not blessed them. God has not given them a son or a daughter. God has not worked in this way. He's been so disappointed with with this over and over and over and over and over again. Even she makes mention of it. Elizabeth makes mention of it. Her disappointment, almost as God has forgotten them, so much disappointment that when he hears the Word of God, it breeds doubt into his heart. Gabriel was there. Can you imagine Gabriel? How much more assurance would you need than an angelic being in the presence of God standing in front of you and declaring this truth. And you kind of look at some of those things that, I mean, in a supernatural way, Gabriel said, okay, you don't believe that uh, the word that God, you don't believe this word, you're going to be dumb and not able to speak. He was, he had the power to touch his body. I know that power is given him by the Lord, but again, those consequences of not trusting God's word, the fear of disappointments. What are you disappointed with? Are you not happy with where you're at in life? And I get it. Sometimes it's hard to do. Have you found yourself somewhere that you did not expect? Life didn't go the way you planned? Who wanted vacation time from a carnival cruise to be extended or, 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 or stopped? And, you know, can you imagine having a trip planned to go on a anniversary to Paris and not being able to walk to the Eiffel Tower and, and see all of those sights and do all of those things. God, you know, God sometimes puts life on pause. And it's not always easy to swallow. Sometimes death happens and it's not easy to get through. Disappointed with people, disappointed with situations, disappointed with outcomes. What do we do? We've got to trust the Lord. Our fifth person that we find in the Christmas story is Herod. The difference between Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and Zacharias from Herod is that they are believers. Herod was an ungodly man. His history tells us that he was mad. Killed his mother. Murdered his mother. Murdered his wife. Crazy. Because he, historically speaking, had this idea that someone was going to overthrow his power. And you see that mentality even in the Christmas story. Look with me over in Matthew chapter 2. 
Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse 3, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. There's no angel, fear not. For the Lord is with thee, fear not. Trust the word of God. We're different than the world. We're, We're on the side with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and Zacharias and Elizabeth. We're on the side with John the Baptist. We're not on the side with Herod. We're not, we're not on the side with the lost people. They, they, they don't know how to deal with fear. They don't know how to, uh, to trust the Lord. They don't know how to get through things that are difficult, dark times. And they frantically run around just so uh, ungodly in their decisions and impulses and emotions on a high. Hey, we don't need to go to the grocery store and, and this thing overwhelm us. We can have confidence knowing that God is able to provide, that God is there to take care. What do we find with Herod? The fear of being inadequate, the fear of disapproval, the fear of unexpected change, the fear of disappointment, but with Herod, the fear of losing control. Why was he afraid? Verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born? Say it with me. King of the Jews. Somebody's going to take my authority from me. Someone's going to take my power from me. Is Herod the only one that deals with that? Are there things that have happened to you that you have no control over? Someone said the hardest thing to do is to wait on God. To be touched some way, some form, some fashion, and have no control over it. To feel like nothing more than a child, helpless, empty. All of those emotions are based upon our humanity. All of those emotions are based upon our nature of being a sinner. Because when you're walking through life and the storms hit you, it's not easy to trust the Lord. It's it's more fitting. It's more like all of us in our nature to cry out to God when He's laying on a pillow on the bottom of the ship sleeping and say, Lord, do you not care? We're about to die. The storm is raging. You know, we talk about Peter walked on the water and there's a lot of negativity when we talk about Peter walking on the water because he began to drown, but at least he had faith to step out and walk on the water. The old principle there is that he could walk on the water as long as he was looking at Jesus. Herod's problem is he doesn't know the Lord. There's a problem that even people that know the Lord have sometimes, and that is, I, I, I don't have power over this. I don't have power over this. I think this is probably one of those issues that all of us, to some degree, are thinking about. 
could they stop this? Could they? Could the government come in and make this mandate? Could this be a possibility? Could something like this happen? I've heard all kinds of things, traveling from state to state, being no longer able. You know, you just hear things. We don't need to go into all of it. Through it all, what do we do? We just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. I want to give you three things in closing. We're talking about turning fear to faith. How do we do this? Number one, surrender your heart to God. Give your life to God. Not just today, but tomorrow. Not just tomorrow, but the next day. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says down in verse 20, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God. You know what that verse is saying? It is saying that you don't belong to you. You don't have ownership of your life. You've been bought with a price. When you buy something, the purchaser owns that has rights to that. I've talked to a couple of people about German short-haired pointer dogs and uh, talked to a few different breeders, beautiful animals. And I think this kind of goes across the board of breeding. Some people, they want you to pay more money for the rights to breed that dog when you buy that dog. And when we look at this, this thought of the purchaser, the owner having the rights, do I have the right to tell God no? So what do we do today in a time of fear? Lord, here's my life. What do we do tomorrow in a time of fear? Lord, here's my life. What do we do four months from now if things are back to normal? Lord, even though it's good, here's my life. The second thing, look in 1 Peter. I know this is a passage of Scripture that really is fitting when you look at it in the context for the tribulational saint. But I want to just pull out a principle here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. When you're there, say amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Wherefore... Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And hope to the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a practical truth there for us today. I think as we kind of look towards the end of what's happening. Longing for the end. I, I heard uh, our president say we hope for this to end quickly. Something along those lines. I think that's the truth. But what do we do? Verse 13. I think this is a spiritual thought for every moment of fear. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Surrender your life to God. But steady your mind. I, I think sometimes Facebook is a wonderful thing that people get on there in times of 
crisis such as these, and there's all kinds of fear that you, you hang around people that are afraid, and what are you going to start doing? You're going to be afraid. And I think there's just the reality of the child of God to protect our thoughts. I'm not saying be irrational. And I'm not saying don't be responsible. I want to provide for my family. I remember when, you know, all I can really think about is Y2K. I was probably 17, 18 years old. And um, so many people had hordes and hordes of water and food and, and ammunition and all kinds of things. And I get all of that. It was that simple truth of just knowing God is going to take you. Have you thought about this? The Bible says a little food and a little rain there with to be well. The word little sometimes we want all these things for assurance. But our assurance doesn't lie in this or that. Our assurance lies in Christ. If God so chooses to take your job away, you can give him another job. But trust the Lord. Surrender your life, steady your mind, and then last of all, just stand on the promises of God. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1, down in verse 20. The Bible says, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, Amen, unto the glory of God by us. Trust the promises of God. In Him they are yea, in Him they are Amen. you believe God's Word this morning? And I know there's a number of pastors across the country preaching a similar note as this. And I think it should be said. We're not going to allow uh, the media situations to motivate what's said behind the pulpit. And yet at the same time, there's a responsibility just to remind God's people, you know these things. We believe these things. And yet it needs to be reminded in time to doubt, fear. Good people. Mary, Joseph, Shepherd, Zachariah, even old ungodly Harry, we all struggle with this thought of fear. What's, well, what does tomorrow hold? God's going to be with you. And uh, you can either hold his hand or walk by yourself. Amen. And thank God we have that choice to hold his hand. Father, we love you this morning. God, I pray that you would not only encourage our people here, those that are watching, if there's someone that's lost, pray that they would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. God, thank you that the sun is still shining. The world's still turning. Life hasn't ended. Even in the dark ages, Lord, we could talk about the loss of humanity. And yet, that's the reality of the sin nature and the curse and the judgment of God upon for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Lord, help us to use moments like this to trust you, to increase our faith, to turn fear to faith. Help us to encourage other people. Lord, to be leaders in moments of doubt. To drive people to 
to the Lord Jesus Christ to drive them to the cross. God, I pray that you help us to take advantage of a time such as this. Lord, to lean heavily upon the promises that you're going to return and that your word is true, dependable. And Lord, as the Bible says in Luke 21, Matthew chapter 24, other places, the entirety of the book of Revelation, Lord, just how even that strong delusion in, in wars and rumors of wars and people being afraid and uniting under the man, the number of a man, the beast, 666. God, thank you for the soul of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Thank you for assurance of salvation. And to know that, as Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That's the goal of our life, to live for you. And to be reminded that even in death, there is great name. We love you and praise you. Praise